Good evening, everybody. It's great to see all of you on Ash Wednesday. Great that you're here. Man, I'm glad. And I'm glad you brought your kids with you, too. This is a great day uh, for having kids and learning about things about God. And how many of you come from a background where you know about Ash Wednesday and you're kind of like, you're all catholic up? You got, your Catholic, you got your Catholic on tonight? There you go. That's right. Once a Catholic, always a Catholic. They told us that. Nothing wrong with being Catholic, let me just say that. But I was born and raised Catholic in Boston. I was what they call a Roman Catholic, okay? You had your USA Catholics, but up in the Northeast and the Syracuse and New York area and the Boston area, we were Roman Catholic. That means we were directly connected with the Vatican, and uh, we were just kind of like a little bit, little bit better than all the other folks. But, you know... Um, Whatever tradition that you come from, you'll find that as you walk with people of faith in, the, in our Christian belief that you'll see that they'll, they have some things that are pretty cool that they do in their church or in their background that they, you hear about. And, and Ash Wednesday is, is one of those things, and it celebrates the beginning of Lent. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about Lent and, and what it means if you're kind of new to it. Lent is a fancy word, but it it really just comes from medieval times, and it just literally means lengthening. That's really all it means. It means lengthening. And it refers to this time of the year when the, when the days are getting longer, and they're beginning to lengthen. You can imagine back then, back in the medieval times, that when it got docked for summer, it was, I mean, it was docked for a really long time. And so when, you're, when it's, you go through the new year and you're waiting for the sun to come back up, kids, you may know about it if you have to wait for the bus in the morning. If you have to stand out there, mom and dad, you're standing out there with the kids, you're like, man, it's really dark out here. And so the, you can imagine this group of people were waiting for the, the sun to come back because there was no electricity. There was no external illumination outside of having a candle or a torch. None of that had been invented yet. So it really was a big time in the year when all of a sudden the days started getting longer and longer and, and light began coming back. But also you can imagine because of why uh, or what they did for a living. This was an agrarian culture. Most of the time in, in Western Europe, um, people were growing stuff for a living. So when winter came along, that meant pretty much uh, any kind of, you know, gathering money or income was pretty much shut down for the winter time. So when Lent came along or the lengthening of days happened, that meant that it was time for planting, a time to look forward to harvesting. So... It meant that sustenance was going to increase. It meant that you were going, instead of living on the food that you saved all winter and you ate slowly throughout the winter, now the potential for having more was being presented to you. So Lent really was a special time. For them, more light was synonymous with more life. And we're going to borrow that idea. And we're going to see that Lent... Um, can be for us a lengthening of 
our personal awareness, our personal illumination of God in our lives. We're going to see it as a, a lengthening of uh, time with God. So we are going to intentionally lengthen our attention to the things of God for the exact same reason that people in this agrarian culture did it, that we are going to use it as a time of seeding for the purpose of seeing a harvest or an increase take place in our lives. So the word lengthening, in the way that we're going to be using it, could also be used in this context as the word mindful. I mean, that's kind of like what lengthening is in maybe time and space or in a linear kind of way, you would use the word lengthening. But it, and the mindset of, of like lengthening one's thoughts or lengthening one's attention to something like Christ in our lives, well, we would use a different word, and that would be the word mindful. So our Lent meaning this year is going to be mindfulness and mindful about the things of God. So our activities over the next 40 plus days are not to get the attention of God through religious activity. So if you are coming from a Catholic background or Lutheran background, sometimes that stuff got a little messed up while we were doing Lent. Um, and so it was a lot of, a, a lot of religious activity to try to, and maybe it got distorted in just our heads, but so that we would be in better favor with God, that God would like us more, or maybe this idea, that God would be more mindful of us if we started giving stuff up that we liked. But really, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, I love David, and David wrote in Psalm 8, in verse 4, he, he talked about it, and he, and he kind of sounds like somebody from California. They should have, like, in front of this, the word, like, whoa, like, Whoa, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You, you, you kind of see you could get a California feel here that this is a California guy talking. But he's saying of God, he's saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is the son of man that you really care about him? I mean, it's like, God, it's amazing that you think about us, that you are mindful of us. It's not like God just on Sunday you know, passes over the cities of the United States and looks over and says, oh, it's 9 o'clock on a Sunday. I'm going to check in and I'm going to do roll call and see who's there and, and, you know, and check to make sure everybody's there. See who's naughty and nice, kind of a Santa Claus kind of experience. But rather, we are told that God is mindful of us. And there is nothing you can do to lengthen the thoughts of God concerning you. I mean, David was like, you know, when I consider the thoughts of God, when I began to add them up, he said, they're just too wonderful for me to even consider. He said, when I tried to count them, he said, I, I, I fell asleep counting, and when I woke up, God, you were still with me. You were still mindful of me. You were thinking about me. So what we're doing here in Lent, let me be very clear, is we're not trying to get the attention of God. We're not trying to be better than other people who don't do Lent. But God is already mindful of you. He's, his thoughts of you have already lengthened. 
before you were even born, before there were timelines to measure, before there were days to increase, we are told that God was already thinking about you. So I'll tell you who doesn't need Lent. God doesn't need Lent. So you're not doing this for him, okay? This is not so, that should be important because that means you can't disappoint him if you screw up Lent, like if you decided to give up like hot dogs, I don't know why you would, but if you decided to give up hot dogs and you accidentally ate a hot dog at a ball game or something like that, a family cookout, it's like, oh, I really messed up. God doesn't need Lent, but rather it's, it's a time for us to begin lengthening our thoughts, becoming mindful about, about God. And I think also a lot of time, Lent, at least in the past for me, has been a time when... Um, and, and, it's, and, I, and I get it. It's, it's kind of like a self-inflicted wound. You know, you give up something so that you hurt during the day a little bit. So that you kind of like when you get that craving, you kind of feel, you know, bad about the craving. And then it brings you into this wrestling match with your own will and you submit your will. Now, that, that, I understand that. I mean, we do that in the gym every single day. We do these things where we, we have controlled muscle usage, and then we even begin to break down the muscles in a gym for the purpose of growing up those muscles and making them even stronger. So I, I, I totally get that, and I understand that. But that can go quickly to be misguided, okay? Um, if we stop being mindful of God and we are just inflicting ourselves with inconvenience, we benefit ourselves in absolutely no way. Let me read to you something. The, uh, Peter had a group of people that were going through some real hard times. These were not manufactured. This was not gym time. This was lifetime for them. And, and talking to them as they went through their real hardship, Peter said this, and I think it applies to us in Lent. In 1 Peter 2, he said, For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God... One endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. He says, this is a gracious thing. Not suffering, not just giving up stuff for Lent. He said, this is a gracious thing, is that when mindful of God, that we begin to train ourselves toward godliness, or we endure some hardship in our life, even if that hardship is an unjust one. So as we go into Lent, as you think about, you know, should I lay something aside in my life? I want you to be very clear of something so that you don't get in the trap that a lot of us as Catholics did uh, throughout the years. Remember this, misery does not begat holiness. Misery does not begat holiness. Just because you give up something and you make yourself miserable, you are not necessarily experiencing more of God in your life. Peter was very clear that when we go through hardship or we go without, that the gracious thing is when we are mindful of God, that we have a lengthening of, and so when we give things up, what we're doing is, is we're kind of nudging it aside a little bit, you know? We're nudging it aside so that we can put mindfulness of God in its place. So remember, no chocolate 
Saying no chocolate does not make you closer to Jesus. Should I get a, I mean, you could amen that right now. I mean, it's like, I just saved the whole, but some of you are tearing up the papers for Lent now. It's like, yep, that's it. Just happened to have a Godiva bar right here in my pocket. <laughs> Wasn't really sure about no chocolate anyway. Because here's what the win is. The win of Lent is mindfulness. Because mindfulness, just like the lengthening of days, the increasing of illumination, prepares for seeding and harvesting the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing over the next 40 days. We're creating time for opening ourselves to the word of God, being mindful of God so that seeds can be planted so that we can experience the harvesting of God in our personal lives. You know, it's really funny that in the Old Testament, when the people of God went astray, it's, it's interesting how God describes going astray. He, he used a lot of allegories and metaphors about the people of Israel going astray. But God would describe it this way, probably more than not. He said, and the people did not remember the Lord their God. I mean, he didn't just say, hey, they... they they burned down the city, they went to war, they stole stuff. No, he said the people and the people do not remember the Lord their God. Or he would use another phrase, and the people, they forgot the Lord their God. It, it seemed to have something to do with that all behavior. It, it wasn't like God was going to talk about all the things that they did wrong and make a list of all the things that, well, here's what my people did. He said, okay, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just put it all together and I'm going to tell you what is the catalyst for all bad behavior. It is forgetting the Lord your God. It is the loss of mindfulness. That's why this is so important. Is because when we lose the mindfulness of God, when we don't bring him into the front of who we are in our thoughts and our everyday life, we begin to kind of stray from the things of God. I don't think for a second or a moment that the people of God literally forgot who God was or that God even existed. I think it was more of saying that when forgetfulness begins to replace mindfulness, people begin to settle for less than God's best in their lives. They actually, in order to try to keep from forgetting God, it was kind of an interesting little practice they had. It was called phylacteries. They had these long pieces of leather, and I, I think some of our folks who went to Israel this last year uh, probably saw this at the Wailing Wall, but they'd have these long pieces of leather, and then there would be this box a leather box on this long piece of leather. And usually inside of it, there was like a, a copy or a letter or a, a piece of the law. They couldn't fit the whole law inside the little box. And then they would take the box and they would put it on their forehead and they would tie the leather, leather strap like you have on a shoe. They would tie it around and it would be right there uh, on the front of, apparently these guys don't go to high school because you'd really get made fun of a lot if you walked around with this little leather box in your front. But what they were doing it for was because it was symbolic of being mindful of the word of God. That the mind of God was not just with them, but rather it was actually on the front of their mind. That that's, it's, it's in the front of your thought. It's kind of like a computer. Um, you have a hard drive, you have RAM, and then you have a CPU. Now, your hard drive is where all your data is. 
But then there's this thing called RAM, where you uh, random access memory. It's, it's where you take the data off your hard drive and you move it to this little chip inside of your computer, and then it's put right there. That's, and that's where the instruction for that program is about to run. It's there. You stored your program over here on your hard drive, but you say, okay, I want to start up Microsoft Word, and all of a sudden you double-click on it, and it pulls that instruction, and it brings it up, and it puts it into RAM. And now RAM says, okay, I've moved it to the front. Now we can process this. And then, as you begin to think upon something, th that instruction is moved into the processor, into your Pentium chip or whatever type of chip that you have. And so what Israel was doing is, though they were culturally God, culturally following after God, they, they had a hard drive full of a lot of information, just like you and I have a Bible, just like you and I are part of a Christian culture. We have a hard drive, a system of beliefs and ethics that, that we know to be true. But just having a hard drive doesn't mean you have a functional computer. You gotta be able to get that data from the hard drive to the RAM and then get the CPU using it and processing it. That's mindfulness, is when we take the things of God that we know and begin to move them into the front of who we are. And this is what the Jewish people would do. They would take that law of God and they would mount it on the front of their heads and they didn't know it, but they were inventing the computer long before its time. This whole idea, this place on their forehead, instead of just being called a forehead, could have been called RAM. And so during Lent, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, I've got well, this belief in God. Maybe I even have a history with God. I got saved in 1981 on a, on a Thursday at a church up in Maryland. And I remember that moment. And, and that's fully saved on my hard drive. I remember when I got baptized. I remember when I got my first Bible. But maybe all that stuff got stored away for a time in my life. It happens to all of us where it becomes archived on a backup drive someplace where we were saved and we became Christian. But during Lent, we're pulling that information off of the archive drive and we're moving it back into the front of our thoughts. For the next 40 days, we are becoming mindful of God. Now, I know you're saying, hey, shouldn't we be doing this all the time? Well, of course we should. <laughs> but, you know, I, this is a time when we all gather together we, ha we, we have Easter coming, reminding us of this great thing that God has done, and we're moving towards that. This is the kind of thing Jesus was very concerned about, is about this issue of forgetfulness. You know, when Jesus recalled the days of Noah, he warned us about it, even today. He even told us that when he comes back again, that the days of Noah would, would return and so you're thinking, okay, well, what are, the, what are the signs of the days of Noah so that we can chart it out and, and we can figure out when Jesus is coming back? What was it that they were doing so wrong back in Noah's day? I mean, we've got to know what it is. It's got to be something like drugs or, or nuclear war. or so. I mean, what was it that they were doing that Jesus would say, hey, listen, this is, this is when things go wrong. Well, let me read it to you in Luke, 11, uh, Luke 17, 26. Jesus said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People will be eating. People will be drinking. People will be marrying and being given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. 
See, none of these things are inherently floodworthy. None of these things are inherently sinful. Matter of fact, I mean, I'm looking at all those things, and they all look good to me. And it's like, well, so why would you use a list of about four normal good things to be an indicator of the second coming of the Son of Man or the days of Noah? Because all these things are preoccupations. All these things are the things that supplant mindfulness of God. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Soccer games, taking the kids to school, trying to make more money, you know, uh, going to visit the grandkids, going on vacation, retirement, you know, starting a new job. You know, it's like, well, nothing's wrong with any of those things that I just named. But after a while in our lives, they become things that kind of, you know, kind of, kind of budge. And all of a sudden you find that your mindfulness of God is backed up on a hard drive someplace. The last time you encountered him or heard his voice, last time you spent time with him is something that you have to recall off of some archive drive in your life. And Jesus said, this is exactly what will happen again. And this is what happens, is people just lose their mindfulness of the presence of God. So for us today, Lent is cultivating mindfulness. So if you walked in here today and you were thinking, what were you going to give up for Lent? I hope I have changed your mind on that. I hope that I have filled your mind with an improvement of the idea of just giving something up. Remember, misery does not accomplish holiness. But rather, it's mindfulness that plants the seeds that enable the harvest of God's kingdom into our life. Mindfulness will be the thing that we're going to be doing over the next 40 days. So what will that look like? Um, Mindfulness may involve emptying for some of us. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious you can't put something more, you can't be full of something if, if the thing's already full of something else. So there may be some things in your own personal life that you think that you know, God has talked to you about or maybe you just kind of know it already that need to be pushed out of your life. That you need, in order to get mindfulness of God in, there are some things that you need to get out. Now, some of those things may not be sinful, but they may be things that just clutter up your mind. For some of us, mindfulness may be involved making qualitative adjustments, adjusting the usage of our time, or maybe adjusting the importance of things over the next 40 days. Maybe for some of us, Mindfulness may be involved, getting involved in action. And that's how we touch our kindness series, our not-so-random series. Because this is where I'm going to focus in my own personal life. That mindfulness will be involved in the action. When I am mindful of my wife, it's not like I'm just sitting at work daydreaming, though sometimes that occurs. But when I'm mindful of my wife in a way that effectually plants some future harvest, I'm usually involved in some sort of action. She just came back from a trip. She was gone for four days. And and 
it, for my wife, she loves to be able to walk in, find the house equal to or better than when she left it. So I remember I was here at work and I told Ricky, I said, I, I gotta go, I gotta I got get ready. And so I went home and I started cleaning and washing pans and, you know, I mean, it, it looked like I was just out of a fraternity in college all over again, you know, underwear everywhere. And, you know, so I'm, it took me like two and a half hours to clean up the house from her being gone for just four days. But then I went a little bit further than that and I started lighting candles in the rooms. And so it had this fragrance so that when she walked in the door, that immediately it would just, the fragrance would fill her. See, there's something about action that communicates mindfulness. So over the next couple weeks together, the 40 days, you're going to get in your app, you're going to get a weekly kindness act. It's a mindfulness act. It's one of the ways that you keep yourself mindful of the things of God. Let me just tell you about the one for this week. If you've got your app, you've probably seen it. If not, download the app, hit refresh, and you'll see it. There are, I'm not sure exactly how many number, maybe 50 foster parents in the Bear Foundation program. And if you've ever foster parented before, it can, it can, it can have its toll on you. It can, it can be hard. It can be financially challenging. It can just be exhausting. So what we're going to do is we're going to make little gift packages. And we're going to give it to the foster parents so that they get like some chocolate, a card of encouragement, a gift certificate to, to Lowe's or Home Depot or something so that they can, you know, repair that wall where the foster child punched a hole in it. You know, or something, you know, if you've ever been there before. So it, so we're going to be mindful of God by doing the acts of God. If you want to be mindful of God, then do what God thinks. Do what God is doing. So let me encourage you. Just maybe that will be the one that you'll, maybe you'll join us. There'll be another one coming up, I think, maybe the week after, where we're going to do Walk for Water together on the 30th of March. See, that's a mindful act. That's a way that we think of God, by thinking about the people that God is thinking about, those who are in need. So I encourage you, instead of just giving up fish or giving up chocolate, maybe practice mindfulness in, in being involved in the things that God thinks about. He thinks about the lost. He thinks about the hurting. He thinks about the hungry. He thinks about the orphan. And we want to be a part of what God's doing. That's one of the ways. You see how much better this is than giving up chocolate? Can you tell that I really want to eat chocolate over the next 40 days? And I came up with all this just to defend me eating chocolate. So we're going to move into a moment of giving you ashes. Our, it'll be just like communion. Um, some of our pastors will be giving you ashes. Now, why ashes? Like Jesus, it represents that we die to ourselves so that we can live to God. So that's what's going to take place. And what they're going to do is they're just going to make a little bit of a sign of a cross on your forehead, and it's just going to be this moment when we are dedicating ourselves for the next 40 days for this mindfulness, this lengthening our thoughts about God. Why on your forehead? Well, like the Israelites, 
it represents the seat of our thoughts. It's kind of like when you think of something, you know? I mean, it's, it's right here. And so, so they'll put the ashes on your forehead. It momentarily represents what Paul encouraged us to do in Colossians 3.1. He said this, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, be mindful on the things that are above and not having the shortening of your thoughts on the things that are of the earth. Begin to increase. Be mindful of the things of God. So we're going to put the ashes on your forehead. And as our pastors put them on your foreheads, just remember that we're drawing near to God. And God through Christ is already drawn near to us. But we are planting the seeds to experience the harvest of God's kingdom in our lives. As we take these steps over the next 40 days, to be mindful of him, he's going to begin to plant things in your life. And I guarantee you that you will see a harvest of God in your life as a result of being mindful of him. Father, as we enter into this moment, we just ask you just fill us with yourself. Lord God, this is not about us just giving up stuff or inconveniencing inconveniencing ourselves to prove that we're holy. But rather, God, this is an emptying to be filled. This is a mindfulness of you, not of religion. So, Father, in this moment, as we receive these ashes, be with us as we start this journey, not because you need it, Lord, you invite us to know you and to know you more. You want to fill our thoughts, our hearts, and our minds because, God, you are mindful of me. Now, I want to be mindful of you. Let me invite you to come. Bring your children. And let me just say, parents, don't worry if, if one of your kids freaks and wipes it right off. That means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. This is kind of like show-and-tell Christianity. All right? This is a time where they see you. That's the big sell here, is that they see mommy and daddy say in front of them, I want to be more mindful of God. 